0: Welcome to All Vampires Are Gay, a serialized, narrative podcast created by Corbin Rosewood. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all major podcasting platforms. If you like the show, please consider supporting our work. All Vampires Are Gay is made possible because of listeners like you. You can help out by becoming a patron, shopping our merch, and of course, telling your friends about the show. You can find all the ways to support us and more at our website, CorwinRosewood.com. Now on with the show.
1: Episode seven, Getaway Car. Welcome, I'm Corwin Rosewood And tonight, we return to a most mysterious and unusual bed and breakfast in the countryside. Scene, the hotel room. Victor couldn't sleep. The morning sun was streaming through the curtains of their room in the B&B, but he hardly noticed it. He had tried to play it cool with Robert last night, but once he fell asleep, Victor's thoughts had become consumed by memories and thoughts of Liren. Liren, Liren, Liren. Why was it always like this with him? Why couldn't he just move on and let Victor live in peace? Victor twisted the bedsheets around while he toyed with the silver pendant around his neck, barely aware of his surroundings. He was just replaying the last time he had seen Lirin, when he jumped off the dock into the ocean, and Victor had prayed and hoped that was the last of him. Decades of calm and quiet, well, not quiet exactly, but at least Lirin wasn't around. Now he was back, and Victor knew it had to be about their history. It always was with Lirin. Suddenly, Victor was pulled from his tortured memories by a sound. A tiny sound, just a little clink of metal. But he instantly leapt out of bed, alert and reaching for his pants. Once he knew the bed and breakfast was run by witches, he had realized why everything was so quiet. Naturally, they had cast spells for secrecy and protection. If there was a clinking metallic sound, that could only mean some strong magic had pushed through those spells. Victor didn't wait to hear who or what it was. He put on his clothes silently and readied his knife. He went to the bed and put one hand on Robert's mouth before whispering in his ear, Bad guys have found us. Don't make any noise. Robert opened his eyes sleepily and immediately started to thrash around on the bed wildly, distressed by Victor's hand on his mouth. What did I just say? Victor hissed. Robert pulled his hand off him and sat up. You can't wake people up like that, he whispered. Clink. There it was again. This time it was followed by someone whispering. Shh, be quiet, the voice said. Victor cursed under his breath and leapt out of the bed. He threw Robert's clothing at him. Get dressed fast, he whispered. Robert began to put his pants on, but he wasn't grasping the urgency of the situation. Victor dashed to the window and looked outside. He saw a black escalade in the parking lot, blocking them in. He searched the trees, looking for an escape route. He frowned. Cursing the countryside and its confusing landscape, it was always so easy to run away in a city. Robert came to stand behind him while he quickly put on his shoes, looking out the window. Who's that? he asked, looking at the car. Shh! Victor reminded him in a whisper. We need an escape route. They've blocked the car in. Robert sized it up. I can do it. Just get me to the car. Victor looked surprised, but he shrugged. It wasn't like he really had a choice. Clink. The sound came again, this time followed by a tiny creak of floorboards outside their door. Victor wasted no time. He quickly undid the latch of the window and thrust it open with a loud clatter. He knew it would end the ruse, but he didn't have a choice. They had to go immediately if they wanted to escape. We know you're in there, Victor, and you ain't getting out of here in one piece if you don't surrender, a familiar male voice said. Victor searched his memory for who it was, and then he remembered the large bald man from Belladonna Club. We have to go now, he said to Robert. Robert was throwing his clothing into his suitcase as fast as he could. But my stuff, he shrieked. No time, Victor said, grabbing his hand and pulling hard. Robert was no match for Victor's supernatural strength, and he dragged him across the room with his half-open suitcase clunking loudly on the floor. Suddenly, the door burst open, and the two bouncers from the club busted in along with another woman Victor didn't recognize, but her beautiful wild hair told him she was a witch. She held up a large crystal and began chanting, causing the amulets around the bouncers' necks to glow with an eerie greenish light. Victor clambered awkwardly out the window, dragging a wide-eyed and confused Robert behind him, his suitcase leaving a trail of silky blouses behind them. They ended up on a sloping awning on top of the deck. Victor leapt off easily, landing on all fours like a cat. He turned around and yelled up at Robert. Jump! What? Robert shouted. Who do you think I am? I'll catch you. Victor declared, jumping up and down. But hurry before they get you! A gunshot rang out behind Robert, and he didn't need to be told twice. He leapt into the air with a mangled scream. Victor caught him easily, only briefly staggering backward at the weight. Okay, that was actually kind of hot, Robert conceded, before Victor put him down. There was only a moment before they heard more gunshots, and a blast of glowing green light landed inches from them. Run! Victor screamed, and they both bolted for the car as fast as possible. Robert quickly unlocked it and hopped into the driver's seat, not sparing a moment to even check if Victor was inside before he began pulling away through the underbrush. Are you sure you can make it? Victor asked dubiously as the car made a wheezing sound while Robert revved the engine to get them over a tree trunk. Shut up and buckle your seatbelt, Mr. Fabulous, Robert retorted, his eyes focused on his surroundings. Victor did as he was told, and not a moment too soon as the car was suddenly rocked violently by an explosion behind them. The sound was deafening, and Victor screamed in pain as it seared through his sensitive eardrums. What the hell was that? Robert shouted. Victor looked behind them and shouted, just drive! Go, go, go! Robert glanced in his rear view and screamed. The entire B&B was engulfed in a fireball. The walls were already starting to come down. Robert slammed his foot down on the pedal as hard as he possibly could, swerving between trees and bushes until they finally lurched onto the main road. Oh my god vasya the witches robert said his heart hammering in his chest as he pulled away down the road at high speed don't worry about them they'll be fine victor said it's those damn bouncers you need to worry about how can you say that robert asked shocked did you not see that building look over there victor said pointing out the window to the large grassy field to their right Robert squinted and could just barely make out the figures of the three sisters, legging it across the field at high speed, their majestic hair glinting in the sunlight. How did they get over there so fast? Robert asked. Magic, of course, Victor replied. Now keep your eyes on the road and don't take your foot off the gas. We're not safe yet. Moments later, a streak of green light whizzed past the window and Robert realized that Victor was right they hadn't escaped yet. He did as he was told, banking around the winding curves of the country road as best he could, trying not to spin out of control. Victor, meanwhile, had his head between his legs. Uh, are you you okay? Robert asked, looking down at the mass of black clothes next to him. Are you sick? Victor was shuffling around under the seat. I'm fine, he said, his voice muffled. Just looking for something, keep driving. A few moments later, items started appearing from beneath the seat, and Victor flung them into the back of the car. A first aid kit, a Taylor Swift CD, brass knuckles, a flower crown, an empty blood bag. Robert was increasingly alarmed at each thing flying past his head, but he kept his focus on driving. A moment later, the car behind them finally caught up and the large SUV slammed into their bumper with a horrible crunching sound. The impact caused the car to swerve severely to the right, but Robert was gripping the steering wheel tightly and managed to yank it back onto the road, frantically pumping the gas as fast as he could. A gunshot hit them, shattering the backseat window. Robert ducked as much as possible while continuing to drive. Anything better than fuzzy dice down there, he asked, his voice full of fear and panic. Aha, Victor said, sitting up with a wave of messy black hair. He was grinning like a Cheshire cat as he triumphantly held up his prize. A grenade. Oh my God, Robert said, terrified. You can't be serious. Serious as a heart attack, baby. Victor said, rolling down his window and grinning devilishly as he leaned his upper body out of it. He pulled the ring out and focused his super senses to adjust his aim. He waited until Robert was taking a big turn so he could aim it right into the SUV's passenger window. He threw the grenade powerfully and it landed perfectly, right in the lap of the big thug who had called him annoying. He smiled as the huge explosion rocked the SUV, sending it careening off the road into a field, the vehicle now reduced to a screaming fireball. There, now we're safe, he said. Scene. Victor's car. They drove for a few minutes in stunned silence. Then finally, Victor said, well, that wasn't so bad. Robert swerved into a clearing surrounded by small trees and shrubs. He pulled the car to a screeching halt and bolted out, slamming the door behind him. He ran to the side of the road, leaned over and vomited into a bush, his hands on his knees as his body heaved. After a moment, he stood up and turned around His hands shaking. What the fuck, Victor? He screamed. Victor got out languidly and casually pulled a pack of cigarettes out of his coat and put one in his mouth. He lit it and puffed for a moment, letting Robert run around in circles and process what had happened. What did they- are they- uh, the, d- d- dead? Who were they? Are- uh, who are they? Is this- is this your life? Like all the time? I lost my favorite shirt! Am I gonna die? Why did you have a grenade? Robert was babbling, his eyes wide and panicked. Victor just smoked, calmly blowing clouds into the air and watching Robert carefully. Finally, he spoke. Relax, they're fine, he said. Fine, fine. You literally fireballed them, Robert shrieked. Victor shrugged. If they're even half as magical as they seem, they're definitely fine. Might have lost their eyebrows, though, he chuckled to himself at the thought. Robert ran his hands through his hair and sighed loudly. Fuck, I have the worst taste in men. I think that's uncalled for, Victor replied, frowning. So that's it? Everything's supposed to just be fine now? Robert asked, his hands still shaking as he tried to calm himself. That's it, Victor said. Sorry about your shirt. No, you don't get to be like that, all mysterious and fun. This isn't fun anymore. I want to go home, Robert said. He got back in the car and started the engine. When Victor got inside, he could feel things had shifted between them. Robert had a calm, icy quality to him, and he kept his eyes focused on the road. We're leaving, he said coldly. Victor sighed. I'm sorry that happened to us, uh, but if it's any consolation, I thought you were a wonderful getaway car driver. Robert scowled and pulled out onto the road as soon as Victor had closed the door. He didn't reply, just gritted his teeth and drove a little too fast, staring straight ahead. As the tension grew, Victor started to feel kind of nervous. Cigarette? he asked, holding the pack up to Robert. It'll calm your nerves. Robert didn't reply or look at him. He just drove. Eventually, Victor put on some music and stared out the window as they drove back into the city. A few very uncomfortable hours later they arrived at victor's warehouse and robert parked the car outside he was pressing things on his phone barely looking at victor i've ordered a taxi they'll be here in a minute to pick me up he said without looking up from his phone please don't be like this victor said reaching out for his hand robert pulled away look I need some time to think, okay? He said, not meeting Victor's eyes. This is just too much. You're too much. I don't know. I need some space. I really think you're blowing this out of proportion, dear, Victor said. I mean, everything worked out, didn't it? Robert looked at him with fiery eyes. Are you fucking kidding me? Some of us are human, you know. And this was the craziest thing that's ever happened to me. Are you saying you don't want to see me again? Victor asked. Uh, I'm saying I need to think. I need some space. Please, just give me a minute, okay? Robert said, returning to look at his phone. A car pulled up in the parking lot, and Robert waved to the driver. He opened the car door and turned around to look at Victor. Look, I'll call you when I'm ready to talk, okay? Victor nodded his eyes full of sadness. Okay, I'll be here, he said. But Robert had already slammed the door. The car drove away, the tires splashing through a puddle, sending a wave of cold water over Victor's boots. Victor cursed and looked up at the gray early afternoon sky. He breathed in the cold air and thought about his next move. Every instinct wanted to run after that taxi at high speed, but he knew that wasn't a good idea. Samson needed the photos, and Robert needed his space. Victor sighed and ran a hand through his black hair, watching the taxi with a frown, until it was out of sight. Finally, when he was sure Robert wasn't going to turn around, he set off in the opposite direction, headed for Samson's apartment. Scene, Samson's Apartment. As he walked through the city, the wind whipping his long black trench coat, Victor replayed everything that had happened in the last 24 hours, especially everything between him and Robert. He knew he should be focused on Liren's imminent threat But it was so hard to get thoughts of Robert to stop taking center stage. Why did he have to be so human? Victor thought. This started to bring to mind the worry that he had begun to nag him ever since he first laid eyes on Robert's beautiful curls. He's human. This relationship can't work. This can't be love. This can't last. Not with a human. He'd been down that road before, and he knew exactly where it ended. He couldn't risk Liren all over again. Liren. What was he going to do about him? What was he going to tell Samson? All these years, and he'd never told Samson the truth about Liren. He didn't know why, he just couldn't. Every time he thought about it, he choked on the words. The memories were too much, too painful. He sighed. This really wasn't his day. Victor arrived at the imposing glass doors of Samson's downtown luxury apartment building. Naturally, Samson owned the penthouse because of course they did. Samson never did anything halfway. Victor pulled open the big door and went into the minimalist lobby, his boots tapping melodically on the marble floors. There was black leather couches to one side and large vases with oversized white flowers dominating the imposing space. To his right was a concierge desk. He breezed past it to the elevators, but before he could hit the button, he heard Samson's voice. Don't you want to check in with the concierge first? They asked. Victor whipped around. The door person was Samson. Their hair was braided up under a pillbox hat and they wore a bellhops uniform with gold accents. What's going on? Victor asked, coming back to the desk. Pretend you're looking at this important paper, Samson said, handing him a receipt for a lockbox rental. We're being watched, Samson added. Victor nodded, pretending to read the paper Samson handed him. I'm not surprised, he said. I was just chased down the highway at high speed by the thugs from the Belladonna Club. Some witches sold me out. Samson took in this shocking information with little response, instead picking up the telephone and pretending to talk to someone on the other line. I'll have to get details on all that later. I can't stay long. I have to see Jin. Can you put your cell phone in this envelope so I can bring it to her? Samson slid a yellow envelope across the desk to Victor while pretending to talk on the phone. Victor looked at it uncomfortably. Um, can't you just get the photos off it now? No, Jin needs to look at them. What's the problem? Samson asked. Victor frowned. It's just, um, Robert. Who? Samson ended the fake phone call and hung up the receiver. Um, my new boyfriend or something? Victor looked very uncomfortable saying this. Samson rolled their eyes. Right, right, what about him? Well, I just don't really want to give you my phone In case he calls, Victor finished awkwardly. Samson's face was torn between extreme frustration and extreme amusement. Just give him the burner phone number, they said. Things are sort of awkward at the moment, Victor trailed off. Because of the car chase, Samson said knowingly. Yeah, because of the car chase. Humans are so funny about those kind of things. Samson sighed. Do you want to tag along to Jin's, then? Victor nodded. Yes, please. What do I do now? Just follow me, sir, Samson said. They came around and put one hand on Victor's back, gently steering them like an esteemed guest. They went to the service elevator, and as soon as they got inside, Samson's entire demeanor changed. The professional and relaxed door person was gone, and they looked tense, worried, and anxious. We're going down to the garage. We'll take one of my unmarked SUVs from the back lot, they said, anxiously tapping their fingers as the elevator numbers ticked down. I'll stay in uniform. You'll have to keep out of sight in the back so they don't see you. Victor nodded. He was always comfortable following Samson's orders when it came to espionage. Although they sometimes butted heads, Samson was a good leader and knew what they were doing. Victor carefully checked that his magical knife was still in its sheath and easily accessible. His delicate fingers played gently over the carved handle as the elevator doors finally opened, allowing them access to the dark parking garage. Let me scout the garage before we go out, Samson said, then darted out through the heavy metal door, somehow shutting it without making a sound. Victor paced the small elevator lobby his heart beating fast, wondering how he could have been so calm only a few moments before. They hadn't seen a threat like this in years and Victor had barely been thinking about it. He realized it was because of Robert. He had this way about him that just calmed Victor and made his worries slide away. He realized he would have to be careful around Robert. It was dangerous, forgetting what was important at a time like this. Samson opened the door and motioned with one silver-ringed hand for Victor to follow them. He slipped out the door and followed Samson through the garage. All seemed to be quiet, and Samson didn't even comment on the loud echoey sounds Victor's shoes were making, so he figured it must be relatively safe. They arrived at an imposing black escalade with tinted windows. Victor got in the back seat as directed, and Samson took the driver's seat, pulling out of the garage. As they drove out of the dimly lit garage, Samson said, Looks like their van is still there on Joseph Street. I think we're good for now, but keep your eye out as we drive. People may still be following us. Of course, Victor said, watching for a tail as Samson pulled into traffic. Soon they were winding through the city, Samson always checking the mirrors for signs of pursuit, but none seemed to be coming. After a few minutes, Victor saw Samson let their shoulders down, and they seemed to relax a little. They removed the pillbox hat and pulled out some stylish black sunglasses from their waistcoat and put them on as they got on the freeway, headed to the edge of town where the university was located. Victor breathed a little easier and relaxed into the luxurious soft leather seats. Samson was always in dangerous situations, but at least they had style. After a moment, Samson reached into a duffel bag and pulled out a blood bag. They threw it over their shoulder at Victor. Victor caught it and crinkled his nose in disgust. Don't we have time to stop for a snack instead? He asked, holding the ghastly bag away from him. We really don't. Drink up, Samson ordered. Victor shook his head, laying the bag on the seat. I'll just wait. Don't be such a snob, Samson said. You look like shit. Looking like shit is my aesthetic, Victor countered. Samson rolled their eyes. You're shaking and weak. When was the last time you fed? Victor shrugged. A few days ago, I guess. He looked down at the red bag on the seat. Finally, he sighed and picked it up again, sinking his fangs into it with a deep frown. He drained it quickly and made a face. Disgusting. I don't know how you live, barely ever drinking fresh blood, he said. Samson shrugged. You get used to it, it's just so much more convenient. With my lifestyle, I don't have time to pursue free-range food like you do. Victor laughed quietly, and they drove on in silence for a while. He waited for Samson to ask about the witches and the car chase, his stomach turning knots as he thought about telling them about Lirin. He knew he should. He had to. If Liren was back, he was going to find Victor and make his life hell. He always did. He needed to tell Samson that Liren was in town and what had happened all those years ago. But he just couldn't. It felt like a big wall of emotions he just couldn't climb over, no matter how hard he tried. It didn't help that he knew Samson would be so hurt that Victor hadn't told them the truth for all these years. He fiddled with his necklace and gazed out the window at the rainy city, listening to the soft sound of the tires on wet pavement and rain tapping on the car roof. After a while, Samson asked for an update and Victor obliged, information and details pouring out of him like the water pouring on the roofs nearby. His anxiety increased until he started to feel a stabbing pain in his stomach and his chest felt tight. At last, Samson asked the question he had been dreading. What did the witches know? Did you find out anything we didn't already know about the incident at the mausoleum? Victor was silent for a moment, the emotions pulling him in all directions, like a rat running around in a cage. Finally, he said... Nothing. Nothing at all. And so we leave Victor and Samson with too many secrets and things left unsaid. Perhaps tomorrow Victor will have more courage. Or perhaps Liren will make himself known all on his own.
0: You've been listening to All Vampires Are Gay. This episode was created, written, and performed by Corwin Rosewood. Produced and composed by Parker Frost with additional production, mixing, editing, and engineering by the team at Studio Corwin. If you enjoyed this episode, consider supporting our show today so we can make more episodes in the future. You can find all the ways to support us at corwinrosewood.com. Thank you for listening.